0: Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. Good evening. Wow. I ain't gonna lie, that was really cool. I was like, wow. I look back, I was like, oh snap, that's me. Like, I gotta go. So, look at the person beside you say, it's so good to see you. Look at the other person that you didn't say it to and say, it's so good to see you. You can be seated. How many is excited to hear the Word of God tonight? Yeah? it's good. I get excited about the Word of God. It's life. Two people said, uh-huh. It's life. I don't know if you knew that, but the Word of God is life. So if you was here uh, this past Sunday, Pastor Chris started a brand new uh, sermon series called Transformation so tonight, that's what we're going to continue. But before we get started, just we'll pray real quick. Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Father God, you are so awesome. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you right now. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for a Raymond word, Lord, that answers every question, that deals with every concern, Father God, and presents every solution, Father God, that leads to your heart. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that no person leaves here the same, Father God, but we all leave here changed, whether it's spiritually, mentally, or physically so, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, tonight is the night, Lord, that our walk in you increases, Lord. Our desires for your things, for your will, for your kingdom, it increases, Father God. Not so people can look at us, Lord, but so we can advance your kingdom and so we can draw closer to you, so we can become more and more like you. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Wow, that's a lot better than the teenagers. A lot of times when we pray, I'm like, and everybody said, they're like, Like two people, and I'm like, and I'm that guy that I'm like, come on, everybody said, and like, because they they've realized like Lindsay will keep going and going until we get the last person. Amen. We need that participation. Um, So if you have a Bible, um, we're going to be in Romans chapter twelve. If you don't, it's okay. We'll present it on the screens for you. But talking about transformation. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Now, because I'm the youth pastor that, if you didn't know, that's a license to use, uh, to use multiple translations, okay? It's a license to use multiple translations, and it's a license to use, uh, to use 2019 lingo. So I will do my best to draw back off of the lingo. That's one of the things I love about being a youth pastor. One, getting to know uh, teenagers. Two, it uh, prepares me for what my boys are going to be like when they become teenagers. Um, and three, it gives me a, an excuse to be like, okay, else, like this song is out. They're saying this. We have to say this. We have to listen to this for research so we know how to, like, relate it to the Bible. You know, it's just like, oh, my God, Lindsay, what? So I love that. So, uh, just real quick, um, yeah, I, I thought about this. My wife is always good about reminding me. But if you if you don't know who we are, obviously, um, like Rotson said, my name is Lindsey. This is my beautiful wife, Kelsey. Um, <laughs> The first time I ever preached at my dad's church when we were married. I was going to do this tonight, but I was like, I ain't going to do it because I was too nervous. Um, I remember the first time I preached at my dad's church after we got married, um, I like, you know, did this. We did this whole thing. And then I opened it up. I said, open up your Bibles, too. And it's, it's a little bit more traditional. So I was like, open up your Bibles, too, like Proverbs. I think it was 1820, 1820 or 1822. And we read it. And uh, it's where the Bible says, as far as he that finds a wife finds a what? Come on now. A good thing. They don't say he's Charles Barkley li- living life without a ring. No, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. And then I had the congregation. I said, "Look at your or look at your neighbor, and say, Lindsey found a good thing." And they did it. I was like, like "Kelsey." Mm. So, but uh, if you don't know, I grew up in a small town called Lexington, Tennessee. It's off of Interstate 40. Uh, good old Rocky Top, Tennessee. Memphis blue, Volunteer orange. That's me. Um, it's more close to Memphis. Uh, and then <clears throat> what's really cool is um, I, I tried to tell this story with teenagers, and I went too long. So, like, I will try to fast forward it for you guys. Um, but I remember, um, well, I don't remember this part, but this is what was told to me back in 1988. So I'm dating myself. But in 1988, um, my dad had gotten, hold, had gotten word that Kenneth Hagan was going to be ministering in um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And at that time, Word of Faith was really popular. And he had just you know, never heard somebody deliver the word like that and have the power and the authority to back it. And he was, he was touched, inspired, and moved. So him and my mom my grandmother, they packed everything up and went to this conference uh, that Kenneth Hagin was speaking at. And it just so happened to be hosted by this man by the name of Dr. Norval Hayes. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. Um, and they were hooked. So from 1988 all the way up to, um, I guess, whenever the um, New Life Bible Church stopped doing the conferences, they had gone every year. So they went the first time in 88, 89. I came into the scene, things were changed, everybody was happy. And um, I just remember growing up, uh, going on summer vacation, all my friends would come down to Florida, wouldn't go to Daytona, I'm sorry. Um, but they would go to like Key West and all these other places. And, uh, but they should have went to Daytona because it's really cool. Um, but they, they would go to all these different places and we'd come back on the first day of school and people would be talking about, I went to the beach, I went this, I went that. Lindsay, where'd you go? I went to church, went to church conference, got filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. Come, to, come. So that was always my summers growing up. And then in 2008, um, I, I graduated high school in 2007, left um, in 2008, moved to Cleveland, Tennessee to go to Brother Norville's uh, New Life Bible College for four years. And then uh, within there, uh, I think it was 2010. That's when I met my beautiful Proverbs 18:20 woman over there. And then in 2011 we got married. 2012 we moved to Abingdon, Virginia. If you don't know it, just just smile and be like, oh, Abingdon, yeah. Yeah, trust me. Um, <laughs> we moved to Abingdon, Virginia. She loved it. I'm like, gosh, man, this is wow. This is mm, Lord. We're yeah. There you are, Lord. Come on, come on. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fast-paced kind of guy. Abedin is more like if you like to just chill at and take your time, I'm not that person. So that's, that's, that's that type of environment. But then uh, eventually we moved to Bristol and we lived in Bristol, Virginia. If you've ever been to the area, literally the state line, it splits the town. You got Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia. Um, a lot of my classmates can never understand it. They just like, so, especially my mom. I uh, love her, but shots fired, mom. But she would always be like, so where are you at today? Are you in Bristol, Tennessee, You're Bristol? I'm like, literally, mom, i just go across the street and I'm right over there. So if you ever get to make it up that way, there's a street called State Street, and literally one side is Tennessee, one side is Virginia. And funny story, our oldest son was born in Virginia. Our youngest son was born in Tennessee, so, so, and maybe hopefully our daughter will be born in Florida. I don't know. Just saying. So, no, no, yeah, no, no, man. That's like, that's like a couple of years down the road. So, we talk about transformation, not that transfer. Okay, I'm just saying. So Romans chapter 12. Hey, I'm the youth pastor, okay? This is how I roll. So Romans chapter 12, if you have it, uh, we're going to read it in the King James. Paul says this. He says, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is, uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love this because... In the context of this scripture, uh, that word "world" literally it means it means this. It means the society or system that we build in order to make ourselves happy without God. Let that marinate. When Paul says. Do not conform yourself to the world, he is saying. Do not conform yourself. Do not govern yourself. Do not not customize the way you live by the means of this this society or this system because this society, this world, this system is totally, totally for building and making happiness without God. But I have another translation for you. In the Passion Translation, Paul says this in verse 2. He says, stop intimidating," stop, intimidating the idols and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Somebody say transformation. So like I said, if you wasn't here this past Sunday, Pastor Chris, he started a brand-new sermon series called Transformation, and I love it. Um, in fact, uh, the, the the images that you'll see on social media, um, Lauren, she created this butterfly, and I've never liked butterflies until she created that, and I was like, man, butterflies are pretty cool. But then but then God had to do me one-up because God loves to clap back at me. God, And let me – clap back it literally means God loves to show out. God loves to show me and say, okay, Lynn, do you think I'm going to be this way? Watch this. And then – so after I get to digging into this by the end of this, if you do not love butterflies, there may be something I may have to you know lay hands on you. But it's okay, it's okay. But Pastor Chrissy defined a transformation this past Sunday. He said everything that is spiritually, physically manifesting in bodily form, everything spiritually, physically manifesting in body form, in bodily form. And if you want to hear more about that, I encourage you to check out the podcast. Look at the person beside you. Say, go listen to the podcast. Plug. All right. So let me re-read verse two. Paul said, in the Passion, there was, there, was, there was a line that jumped off the page or off the screen. It said, literally, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. The first time I read that, I was like, oh, I was like, God, you better do it. You better do it, God. This, that's just, God is good. Amen. Amen. But literally, Paul said, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. Whenever God does a transformative work, it's always inwardly. Whenever God does a work through you, it's always inwardly. I told the students this last week. I said, whenever God wants to do a work on the earth, he doesn't do it to man. He does it through man. So guess what? Your existence means that he is waiting to do something through you. So therefore, it puts accountability on you, but also it makes you question and say, okay, God, if you're moving through me, who are you trying to reach? And am I, am, I, am I seeing this person that you're trying to reach? Is it somebody in my family? Is it somebody at the gas station? Is somebody at work? Or am I blindly complaining about who you've put me on this earth to reach? Mm. So whenever God does a transformative work, it's always inwardly. So how many, how many of us, the moment that you accepted Jesus into your heart made him Lord of your life, how many, your exterior changed? The moment that you said, Jesus be Lord of my life, your exterior changed. Your physical appearance changed. Your hair didn't grow, your nose didn't grow, you didn't grow in height. Maybe Evan did, I don't know. Evan, Evan might have grown in height, I don't know. I think Evan's still growing. Like, I seen him last night, and then tonight, I'm like, good Lord, son. Like, I don't know. No, Evan's like one of the coolest guys I know. So, there you go. But no, like, when God does something transformally, anything that God does, it's always inwardly. So, the same power that he used to raise Jesus from death to life, that same power is working in you not around you, not around you, but it's working in you. The Bible describes it as it's living and breathing and moving. Just as you take a, a deep breath, let's all do that one time, just, I had this ritual with my son, my oldest son, whenever he like goes frantic, I'm like, Kellen, let's breathe, let's breathe, and we'll go, and because we had to add our own spin to it, we go, Yeah, you stick your tongue out because that's when you mean it. And by that silliness, it causes him to to get out of his frantic state. But I love that in the Passion Translation in verse 2, that word transformed. In the Greek, it means metamorpho, which means to transform or change or transfigure. But see, transformation only happens when four things are in order. And if you're taking notes tonight, this is where your pen wants to meet that paper. But transformation only happens when four things are in order. Number one, transformation will only happen when it's God's timing. When it's God's timing. Transformation in your life never happens outside of God's timing. God is a fan of the process. He loves the process. You know who don't like the process? Come on now. I was just going to say me, but somebody's like, I was like, oh. I am not a big fan of the process. You can ask my wife. My attention span, if we had enough time to describe how my mind works, you would be like, oh my God, they let him in the pulpit. I'm like, God is good, babe. So. But God is a fan of the process, and proof of that is in Genesis. He didn't create the earth in one day, but in seven days. It was calculated process. So when God operates in our life, guess what? It's a process. Yes, there's going to be those moments where it's instantaneously, but God is doing a process, not because he's like, oh, I'm just going to take my time, I'm just chilling, just kicking it. No, not because God is, has no, like, no accelerator, but because God realizes that it's in the process, that's when you really change. You know, you think about it, how uh, uh, when our son was born, our oldest son, you know, he wasn't born as an adult, he was born as an infant, And, you know, and yes, he could have, you know, God could have miraculously, I don't know how, but God could have did something to where he was born way older, whatever, but still God put him as an infant. Why? Because there's a process in order for our oldest son, Kellen, to collect and become the man that he needs to be. It's going to take time. In order for you to become who God has created you to be, it's going to take time. It's going to take time, but it starts inwardly. And I love that because in the Greek, it means metamorphose. So I said, number one, God's timing and transformation can't happen unless it's God's timing. Number two, completion of your current season. Completion of your current season. It's so easy that the moment we get into a new season, we want to discredit the former season. want to throw it away. We want to trash talk. it, We want to say, ah, oh, man, now I'm, thank God for this new season. Oh, my. whoo! So, oh, that, 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 that past season. Mm, it was something. But God. We, we even put the traditional quotes on it. But God. Got me through another day. I mean, growing up, I remember we used to sing all kinds of songs like that. So, but And I remember even when we moved here, my wife, the Lord had to use my wife. The Holy Spirit had to use my wife. He does that a lot. So thank God for that. But I remember when we moved here, like somebody was asking, Lindsay, what do you think? I'm like, oh, man, it's so good. Loving the people. God's doing this. God's doing that. Da da -da. I'm like, so glad to be out of that. And Kelsey's like, wait, wait, wait. That back there is set up for this. And like I said, it's so easy to discredit the former season, but you've got to understand this. Every step on the ladder is obsolete without the step before it. I'm going to run that back for you, which means rewind, which means say it again. Every step on the ladder is obsolete without the step before it. No matter what you're trying to reach, no matter where you're trying to go, no matter who you're trying to get away from, you need to ask yourself, Lord, what about this current season that you're trying to produce in me to set up for the, for the next what about this person that's in my life that you're trying to produce in me, that you're trying to give me to reach? What about, what about these people? What about this situation? What about this job? What about this scenario? What are you doing right now that's setting up tomorrow? Lord, what are you doing right now in this season? I remember growing up, we used to sing the song, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Lord, if you're healing in this season, don't do it without me. And I love that because the song, if you really get into it, it's not just saying, uh, the, the author isn't saying, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to miss what God's doing. No, he's really saying, Lord, I want to be so involved in every moment, every minute, every hour, every millisecond of this current season that you're in. And that should be our hearts to the point that, Lord, okay, yes, I, yes things may not be the greatest this season. I'm, I'm looking forward to next season, but right now you've put me in this moment, this time. Teenagers, he's put you in this school, whatever school it is that you go to. He's put you in this family, that whatever family it is that you're in. He's put you in this church. He's put you in this town. I think of it as a city because I come from a small town. But think about that. Where you are right now, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're an adult, whether you're a kid, your existence on this earth. Your existence in your family, your existence in your friends, your existence at your job. God is literally putting you in this current season, and transformation cannot happen without completion of this current season. Number three, shedding yourself from outside influences that are opposite of your God-given destiny. Transformation will not happen unless you shed yourself from your outside influences that are opposite of your God-given destiny. One of my favorite verses is Acts chapter 27, verses 23 through 24. I'm reading in the Passion Translation. If you don't know this, it's one of my favorite. It's just really quick, but obviously we all know who Apostle Paul was. And right before Apostle Paul became the superman of an apostle that he was and wrote all these different books in the Bible, literally this verse, says this in verse 23, For God's angel visited me last night, the angel of the God, the God I passionately serve, He came and stood in front of me verse 24, and said, don't be afraid, Paul, you were destined, watch this, watch this, you were destined to stand trial before Caesar, and because of God's favor on you, he is giving you the lives of everyone who is sailing in your boat. I love that, just for verse 24, because literally, God says this, he establishes two things, he establishes Paul's destiny, and then he establishes everybody that was supposed to be in Paul's life to help him accomplish that destiny. Who's in your boat? Who's in your boat? I don't know about you, but my dad always taught me, he said, Lindsay, people will either make you or break you. Your surroundings will either make you or break you. Your sphere of influence, who's in your boat? Is it somebody, is it somebody or a group of people that is encouraging you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfect work, or is it a group of people that is encouraging you to resist what the Holy Spirit is doing? Pastor Chris said it Sunday. He said, you're either going to accept or reject what God is doing in your life. When he tells you to bless somebody, you're going to accept it or reject it. When he moves upon your heart to pray for somebody, you're either going to accept it or reject it. When he tells you to pick up your family and uproot and go to Florida, you're either going to accept it or reject it. We don't have enough time to tell that story, but that was totally God right there. But the thing I loved about that story was the fact that it began to cause me to analyze my heart. Not that I was in a bad spot, not that I was doing something super secret, dark, dirty, uh, no. It's just the fact that, okay, Lindsay, you have become so tunnel vision. Do you remember what I've called you to do? Mm. It's easy to get tunnel vision. If you're a parent, it's easy to get tunnel vision. If you have a job, it's easy to get tunnel vision. If you have responsibilities, it's easy to get tunnel vision. But you have to shed yourself from outside influences that are opposite of your God given destiny. Can I give you one more example of the power of your? influences uh the the weight and the heaviness that it has can is that okay yeah i love telling stories you can tell i came from a normal school so has anybody ever heard of muhammad ali all right all right cool 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 you gotta remember i'm a youth pastor so when i say that they're like who like michael jordan who lebron james no it's michael jordan in here don't you mention that name I remember when we did Bad Pats this past Saturday, this one kid that came on like with the Jordan shirt. I was like, All right, I see you like Jordan. Like, yeah, we don't like LeBron. I said, Oh, front of the line, right now. Get this kid five bad pats and a juice box. <laughs> I don't know if he drunk juice or not. I mean, my kid does, but I was like, come on. But Muhammad Ali, obviously I'm going to date myself one more time, but like I, unfortunately I did not witness him fighting live, but I have seen, you know, stuff. But anyways, this world, they have given Muhammad Ali a title called the GOAT. Now if you don't know what the GOAT is, it means the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan holds it, and uh, it's all that matters. But Muhammad Ali (laughs) has been titled the GOAT. He's been titled the greatest of all time when it comes to boxing. And I used to side with us, okay, well, you know, cool if if the, uh, the seasoned saints say that. Um, then that's what we're gonna go with, and then I remember a year ago, I heard my mentor say this, and the Lord confirmed it. But Muhammad Ali was never the goat; he was on the goat of boxing. And I know what you're thinking—you're thinking, "Oh, Lindsey's about to give you like some like, you know, South Paul guy, like probably from Port Orange or somewhere." I don't know. <laughs> no, the real goat was a guy by the name of Angelo Dundee. If you don't know who Angelo Dundee was, Angelo Dundee, he never stepped in the ring. He was Muhammad Ali's corner man. He was the one that was in the boat, sailing with Muhammad Ali. He was the one that every time Ali got knocked down, he was the one that was in his sphere of influence, reminding him of who he was and how fast he could hit, how hard he can hit, how fast he can move. He was the one influencing him. He was the one in his boat. Listen, the people that are in your boat, they will either make you or break you. The people that you communicate through text messaging or DM or whatever it is they or the people you go out to, they will either make you or break you. They will either encourage you to receive what God is doing in your life or they will question and say, is that really God? Do you really got to go to church tonight? Do you really got to? I mean, like 10 percent, really? Does it really matter when you give? Little person beside you say, who's in your boat? Mmm. Somebody to let that marinate. I love this because guess what? Paul sailed with his God-given crew, and Jonah sailed with a hand-picked crew. Which one are you? I am talking to myself because I got my boys. You can ask Kelsey when we was planning on getting married. I was like, okay, I get it. got to get all my boys in here, all my boys from high school. And you know what? Out of all those boys, I only talked to maybe one one. So let God pick, let God draft the people that you are going out to eat with. Let God draft the people that you are texting, the people that you are calling, the people that you're hanging out with, the people that you're allowing to come over and be in your life. Let God draft them. Don't handpick them. Amen? Number four, transformation happens through the renewing of your mind by the word of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said this, he said, through an inward metamorphosis, a.k.a. transformation by the Holy Spirit, through the renewing of your mind. It's through the renewing of your mind. That's the way the Holy Spirit chooses to work that transformative power in your life. Now, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. I love my kids, love my wife, love Jesus, and I love basketball. love all sports, but basketball is King and Lindsay's, Yep. So I know people like, especially my, my in-laws, when I first told them that I had this one uncle, he always like, it's always riding me. He's like, I can't believe you're a Tennessee fan. He's a Gator fan. Don't know how that happened, but if he ever comes down, that's, that's one more person y'all can embrace and get him to move here. He'd be a pretty cool guy if he moved here. So I mean, he's a cool guy now, but still. Scott, you'd be even cooler if he moved here. There you go. But I'm a sports guy. So when God was giving me this, he was giving me a lot of sports analogies. But understand this, in sports, a, a good execution of the playbook, it le- usually leads to a W. When a team executes the playbook, the coach's desires, it usually leads to a W. But understand this, players, they can't show up the first day of camp within the first three minutes and already master the playbook. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen like that. It never, it never happens like that. And I remember what the Lord told me right after I was thinking about that analogy. The Lord told me this, and can I can I tell you what the Lord told me? You, are you, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, Jeremiah. I'm gonna do it, man. I had to call him. I call him out every service just because I love him. So, but God said this. He said, "A good coach will implement specific drills and practices that will help produce anomalistic skills that allow the playbook to become second nature." A good coach. A really good coach, he won't make everybody master the playbook on the first day within the first three minutes. No, a good coach will, call, will come up with a special, specific type of skills and drills that will, that will produce the type of skills that will cause the playbook to become second nature in his players. See, the moment that you accepted Jesus, you got a new nature. And your mind is renewed the more that you get invested into his playbook, a.k.a. the Word of God. I don't know if you pick it up when I'm dropping But understand this, if you really want to do what God has called you to do in your life, if you really want to do, if you really want to see this transformation happen in your life, it takes a renewing of your mind. That doesn't come through Christian memes. It doesn't come through watching other people get blessed. It comes through you digging into the playbook. It comes through you renewing your mind. As much as I love my mom, as much as I love my grandmother, their prayers aren't enough for me. As much as I love my wife, I could pray for her all day. She could pray for me all day. But still, we are accountable. And we have to dig into the Word of God for ourselves. Your mind is renewed. When your mind becomes renewed, that's when that transformation starts to happen. When you renew your mind on scriptures like 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and, and when you look and see where it says love is selfless, and then you actually begin to walk that scripture out by looking for someone that you can put before yourself, that's when you get to see your mind become renewed. We 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 talked about that last week in, in youth. We we took first Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through seven, the love chapter. Growing up that's what they was always called. And now like as an adult, I'm like, it's the hard chapter. That's what it is. And vacation Bible school days like this is the love chapter. No, it's the hard chapter. <laughs> Lindsay, do you not love everybody? Oh, I love everybody. But God said and Ms. Roten, or Ms. Roten talked about it when she preached. She said, we're called to the highest love, agape love, the highest level of love. It's not enough for me just to say I love you, but I have to see, okay, how can I benefit you before I benefit myself? It's not enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to pray for you. It's, it's, I have to go the extra mile and call you up and text you or go by your house and say, hey, um, like I prayed for you. How, how's that going? Are you, oh, okay, let's get back in and let's pray right now. It's not enough for me to say, okay, yeah, I got your back. If I hear somebody talking about you, I have to go and defend you and say, hey, listen, uh, do no, let's not talk about them. If you have any odd against them, let's hear, get in my car, we'll go over there right now. We'll grab that person up, we'll all go sit down, eat some chips and salsa, and we'll work this baby out. Love has action behind it. One of my favorite songs by one of my favorite groups, "Love Is a Verb." I won't tell the name of the group. Yeah, that's right. And as a kid, I would sing it. I'd be like, "Love is a verb," and then as an adult, I'm like, "Wow, love is a verb. Love is a verb." But because I become a parent, I'm like, "Love is a verb. I can't do it enough." And to those that are parents, you you understand that 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 love that you have for your child. Imagine you you can't even put. You, you, you can try to imagine it, but you can't even fathom that that's the way God feels about us. And the reason you can't fathom it is because God was willing to give up his only son for us. But most of time, if you ask a parent, are you willing to give up your child for somebody? No, I ain't, I ain't better. No, I ain't giving up my baby. Now, I'll correct Kellen, but Kellen, <laughs> we had, well, there was an incident where Kellen got, Kellen got hurt the other day, and Kelsey texted me about it, and I was like, no. No, not my baby boy. And then the devil had to strike again. It was both of them got, got messed up. And I was like, Kelsey. It's like, girl, I said, like, I'm about to go ham like it's Thanksgiving. You better bring the dress and meet me at the, meet me at the preschool. It's, it's going down. I so said, we're going we're gonna to deal with this. Going to meet them parents. Show me where them parents are. She's like, boy, calm down. But we all feel that way about our kids, whether we want to or not, even if your kids are older or out of the house, we all feel some way at some point or another we have felt that way about our our kids. And God feels that way about us to the point that He would give up His only son. He would give up His only Son. So you, you renew your mind with John chapter 15 verse 16 when you read it and see it and believe it that when Jesus said that we didn't choose him but he chose us and chose us that we should bear fruit and not just any fruit but the type of fruit that will remain through all seasons. You renew your mind because when you get the revelation of that scripture you realize that in you he has put something that cannot be affected by the elements of life. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Super simple, but it's super deep. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I remember the first time I heard that I was in Bible college. It was my sophomore year. It was, it was a time where I was really wrestling with my identity, really wrestling with my purpose, and really wrestling with my existence on this world. And I remember I'm, and it was a time where we had done the Daniel Fast, me and my roommate, and I was sitting in our kitchen. We had this, we had this uh, apartment that was on the rougher side of town, but it was really cool because it was by everything, by work. And I remember he had gone on to work, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and I, I just had enough. I had enough of the devil beat me up. I had enough of the devil reminding me of every insecurity. I said, God, if, if you really do love me, I, 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 need just, I need more than just some John three sixteen. 16. I need something else, and I began to open up the Bible, and I began to open up John 15, and I got to John 16, and it jumped off the page. Now, you're going to laugh, but because I'm a sports guy, the moment I saw you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I thought about dodgeball in elementary school. I think, I think you used this analogy too, but I know in our school, uh, uh, we called it something else, I don't want to call it because I told Kelsey about it, and she's like, oh my God, like y'all were rough kids. I was like, yeah, we were pretty bad. God delivered me though, hallelujah. <laughs> well, so, well, yeah, we'll just, we'll just, it was called dodgeball. We'll call it dodgeball for everybody to stay on the same page. But a lot of times when the, when, the, when the people were appointed to be the captains, if you were appointed to be captain, whenever I was appointed to be captain, I didn't choose my best friend. I, I even, there was one time I told him, my best friend at that time, his name was Steven. I told him, say, hey bro, I love you. I'll give you my juice box at lunch. He's like, okay. I was like, I want Jacob. Give me Jacob. <laughs> Why? Because Jacob was tall. Jacob was quick. Jacob was a farmer. Now listen, you're like, Lindsay, a farmer? That meant he could take, he could take a hit. He could tell you, you get, you get behind Jacob, you knew you were not about to get hit because he got you. I chose him. Why? Because there was something in him I knew I needed. I chose him because there was something in him. I saw something, even if he couldn't see it in himself. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I looked in you before you came upon this planet. I looked at every detail of your life. I saw every insecurity. I saw every flaw. I saw every screw-up. And still, looking at you, I saw something that I wanted to the point. I went to the cross and got up three days later and brought you with me. He chose us. And when you dig into the scripture, you get that revelation, and guess what? You start to hold your head up high. Because you're like, man, it don't matter if I didn't go to prom. It doesn't matter if, I, if, I got, if nobody's dating me. It doesn't matter if nobody's going out to me. I've been chosen by somebody that's not bound by time. Mm. I've been selected by somebody that, that exists in all of eternity. And is coming back for me. That has set up a covenant for me. But you don't get that revelation until you begin to spend time with God until you put your phone down, until you turn Netflix off. Talking to myself, I'm a fan of Netflix. We had practice the other night and somebody was talking about Netflix. I was like, you need five suggestions? I got them, I stay ready. (laughs) Like I stay like, have you seen this? Oh, it's pretty good, listen, I'm gonna tell you about two minutes, 45 seconds, watch out for this scene, just fast forward, da da da. Like, stay ready. Scriptures and Netflix, come on. Youth pastor, okay. <laughs> but it takes, you, it takes you sacrificing something out of your daily routine. Something out of your daily routine. Not because God is bound by Netflix, not because God is bound by your phone, not because God is bound by your social media. But he wants to see how willing are you to pursue what he wants in your life. Because guess what? This is something they taught us in school. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's never going to force himself upon you. You can sing the songs all day. You can come in here and clap. You can come and sing, sing a right, sing or right, sing the right key, but at the end of the day, in your heart, what is, what, in your heart, the posture, the position of your heart is it? God, I, I really mean these words. Lord, you really are good. Lord, you really are a good father. You are so, you are, there's nobody that compares to you. That's what he's checking for. He's checking for the posture of your heart. And I loved in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Because that word transformation or transformed it in the Greek, it means metamorpho. And anytime I see the word metamorpho or metamorphosis, metamorphosis, I think of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That's the way my mind works. I see the picture. In fact, because we have Kellen and Keenan, I think about the book, uh, The Green Caterpillar with the Red Head. And it's like it eats more and more and more. Yes, very hungry caterpillar. I think about that. So, yeah, you may not think about that. I see some people are like, what's he going at? Listen. Just stay with me, I promise. I promise. But anytime I think about metamorphosis, I think about a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And what's so, what's so awesome is if you've ever studied out the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, it is a type and shadow of the way the Holy Spirit intervenes and transforms in the heart of the believer. It is. I'll give you this example, and we'll, we'll close with this. I didn't all right, Pastor Chris, sweet. He's like, hey, I need you to do it. I was like, okay, sir. I'm going to do you one bed. I'm going to raise you. I was like, I'm going to say all that God's given me, and then I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> but if you studied Caterpillar's metamorphosis into a butterfly, it's a type and shadow of how God works in our life through the Holy Spirit. Science has proven that the same DNA, now the moment I found this out, I, like, I ran through the sanctuary to Ms. Roxanne's office. She wasn't in there, so I ran back. And then when I found out she was there, I, like, ran back to her again and told her. But science has proven that the same DNA that's in a butterfly is in a caterpillar when it's born. Science has proven because guess what? The DNA is the same. It's not a change in the DNA. It's just a change in its appearance. So, therefore, even though the caterpillar doesn't look like its new nature, the new nature is still locked inside of it. So therefore, the new nature is not bound by the surrounding appearances of a caterpillar. Therefore, the spirit of God, the power of God, the same power that raised him from the dead, is not bound by your insecurities. It's not bound by your bank account. It's not bound by who told you no or who told you yes. It's not needing a cosign from anybody or everybody else in your life. The new nature of God was placed in you from God. He didn't check with your closest friends like, hey. You think, you, okay, no, you, oh, no, okay, we're going to move on. No, 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 he chose you. He selected you, set you apart. But science has proven that the same DNA that's in a butterfly is in a caterpillar. And when the time is right, a caterpillar organically becomes the metamorphosis, just like the first point we said, in God's timing, that's when transformation starts. A caterpillar doesn't be like, you know, uh, okay, I'm gonna become a butterfly today. So let's go and start this process. Bam, bam, boom, butterfly. Now I watched the documentary. I sat and watched this. I was like, okay, God, do something. I like that kind of stuff. I'm a, I'm an odd fellow, but I like that kind of stuff. But I remember the moment that they said that. I was like, oh, suki, suki. <laughs> I said, God, you mean to tell me I, I was born with this new nature? You mean to tell me I was born with this power? You mean to tell me I was born that I could lay hands on the sick and they recover? I, was, I didn't. I was, February 13, 1939, you already played. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah that before I came onto the scene, before you came onto the scene, he knew you. He knew you and set apart a purpose. He knew you and chose you. And in that, in that verse, in verse 16 of John 15, it says that he chose you that you should bear fruit. So therefore, guess what? You got one job. I used to tell the students this all the time. You got one job. It's a very popular saying. You had one job. As the believer, we got one job, and that's to bear fruit. Fruit that remains through every season. Fruit that is not bound by your insecurities. Fruit that doesn't get uptight when the bank account is in the negative. Fruit that doesn't get uptight when people don't want to hang out with us. Fruit that doesn't get uptight when everybody is feeling us. Fruit that will remain through the highs and lows. Fruit that stays consistent. That's what the walk of the believer should be, consistent. Not up, not just consistent. You look at Jesus in the Gospels, it was just Consistent. Lindsay, he was healing. He was raising people from the dead. It was a consistent miracle that he was doing. But back to the caterpillar. The caterpillar, I love this. I love this. Look at the person beside you say, you're going to love this one. The caterpillar, once that process begins to happen, he will go and find a branch to hang on. And then as he hangs on this branch, he hangs in the form of a J. And again, I had to run out of my office. Oh, I was like, God. And see, this world is to teach you that, Lindsay, that's a minor detail. What does that have to do with anything? But Paul says differently. He says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Lindsay, what does that mean? It just means that, like in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it said that everything is created, everything is upheld by Jesus. He is the author and finisher. Our faith. So when that caterpillar waltz and finds a branch to hang like a jay, he is reminding all of creation that I was created by God and I am upheld by God. This new nature that's inside of me is only happening because of God. Everything matters. Everything matters. If you want to be truly transformed, you got to embrace every ounce of your life. Don't throw anything away, don't waste anything away. I have this buddy back in Bristol. I remember I would go out to eat with him, and I'm a guy that I only eat till I get full. I'm sorry. It's counter-opposite of what my dad taught me, but I only eat till I get full. And I remember he, we went out to eat Chinese one day at the mall, and, you know, I was full, so I threw the rest of my plate away. Oh, my. And, and we, had, we, we hadn't even become friends yet. We was just acquaintances. And you all know, like, when you have that acquaintance that you think is going to become a friend, like, you're still like, I don't want to, I don't know, like... You know, you ain't going to get all of me, but I'm going to let you know a little funny stuff. So so normally, if if I did what he did, I'd be like, oh, well, I ain't going to be your friend. But he looked at me and said, what did you just do? And I was like, um, I threw my plate away. He's like, you didn't finish it. Uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, we we, we won't do this. <laughs> all right, well, okay, Lindsay. He's he's bigger, obviously, so okay, just... Muster up everything. Close your eyes. Your daddy taught you what to do. I'm like, okay. I said, uh, excuse me. You know, I gave him one more chance, you know, because don't want to unleash the Lindsay on him. He don't want to get that lightning. So I'm like, excuse me? He said, you threw that away without asking me if I wanted it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. He said, man, I don't throw nothing away. I don't waste any moment in my life. And when it comes to following Jesus, shouldn't we be the same to realize that even if this person is annoying me, even if this job is beneath me, or even if it's not using me to the fullest of my potential, I shouldn't discredit it. I shouldn't trash talk it. I shouldn't throw it away. Even if if these friends are leaving me, I shouldn't discredit those experiences. But I should say, God, what is it out of this that I can take and pull in order to go to the next season? What type of step is this on the ladder for the next step? And what's so cool is back to the caterpillar. Once the caterpillar is upside down in the form of a J, inside, somebody say within. Inside the caterpillar, inside of it uh, forms a thing called the chrysalid, and that is what forms the outer shell of the cocoon. But I love this part because as what's inside of it is forming, and I'll close with this: as what's inside of it is forming, the same time that that chrysalid is forming, you know what's happening. The outer shell is falling away. Let me, let, me, let me run that back. As what as the transformative word that is, that is in it, as it's starting to become public, the old nature is starting to fall off. The old surroundings are starting to fall off. The, old, the, 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 the former season is starting to fall off as this new season emerges, as this new nature emerges, as it begins to tap into what's within it. What about your current season you don't like? Okay, well, you know what, Lord, I'm going to dig into the Word, and I'm going to activate this new nature so this oldness can fall off, so these old habits can die off, so this old mindset can die off. So, the, so I would be, more, so I'd be willing to not just give 10%, but I could give more abundantly because I have this new nature, and I've renewed my mind to realize that God has given me not just for me, but it's for somebody else. I'm speaking to myself because that's what God had to do with us, me more than Kelsey because Kelsey's great like that. But as the caterpillar is hanging in that, in the form of a J, in its cocoon, as the as the shell begins to appear, the old skin begins to fall off, begins to die off. Why? Because it's not needed anymore. But it was needed to get to that point. It was needed to get to that point. And then science has proven that it's secluded from the next two weeks. It's secluded from its environment. It's included, it's, it's, it's removed itself from its sphere of influence, from its friends, from, its, from social media, from, Lindsay Kaepernick, don't use social media. Okay, but we do, if you haven't got the analogy by now. It says, okay, I'm going to remove myself from everything that knows me, the old me. Everything that knows me by this image, everything that knows me from this appearance, everything that's seen me up till this point. And for two weeks, it removes itself from all that. Until, everybody say until. until. Until its inward nature physically manifests in bodily form. Why does that sound familiar? Because that's what we started with, and that's what Pastor Chris defined as transformation. You're sp- everything spiritually, physically manifested in bodily form. That caterpillar remains locked away in su- and, and, and away from everything else until what's in it has manifested into the physical realm. But what did it take to get all that it took? Realizing that, okay, I got to do this on God's time and not mine. I got to make sure that I, he's making this happen and not me. I got to make sure that he's making moves and not me. It's easy for us to make moves, amen? It's easy for things to get tight and we're like, okay, well, I got to. It's easy for when people cut us off, like, okay, well, I don't need you. I'm going to go find somebody else to replace you. It's easy for us to put our hands to the plow when really we need to relax and rest. And trust. And trust. We did this, uh, we did this example last week. I'm, I'm, I'm about to bust one of our students. I won't call his name because I love him so much. But we did this analogy because we were still talking about fruit of the Spirit and we was talking about love. And one of the things that the Bible defin- defines love as a firm, a firm persuasion, a firm surrender, a firm commitment, and a firm conduct to the surrender. So I had one of the students come up and I said, let me have your hand. And, and I had Mr. Steven give me this trash can. And I had this cold bottle of water and he grabbed my hand and I said, no matter what happens, don't let go. He said, all right. And I poured this bottle of cold water on my hands and I promise I'm closing with this. I poured this bottle of cold water on both of our hands as he was, his hands was locked and tight. And I said, now, why did you not let go? He said, because you told me not to. I said, that's faith. No matter what situation pours out on you, That that's what it looks like to walk with Jesus. No matter what, no matter what how much your job is pouring out on you, no matter how much your your friends or your family, no matter what life is pouring on you, you do not let go of the grip. That's why the Bible defines it as a firm grip. Firmness you don't let go no matter what. Because what's within you is so much better than what you currently are, what you currently have been through, what you're currently going through. Look at the person beside you. Say, "Don't let go." So we have to realize if we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to do its perfect work, we have to realize one that you know what? God, I gotta wait on your timing. God, I gotta trust you. God, I gotta check the people in my boat. I gotta make sure my sphere of influence is actually influencing me and not causing me to reject what you're doing in my life. And then I gotta get in this word. Because guess what? Your life has changed when you get in the word. The, wor- the world was formed by the word. The world is upheld by the word. If he can bear the cross, I don't know what this is for, about. if he can bear the cross, he can bear you. He can bear you. Your heaviness, your burdens its nothing. It's nothing compared to the weight of the cross. So, therefore, when we tap into our new nature, this transformation power begins to happen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much for tonight, Father God. Lord, this word that you put in us, Father God, we glorify you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Thank you so much, Father God. Lord, what you deposit on this out of us tonight, Lord, let it go deep into the soul of our heart. Deep, Father God, into the souls of our heart, Jesus. To the point that we, in the right time, Lord, we bear fruit. Father God, anything and everything, Lord, that would cause us to reject what you're saying, reject what you're doing, reject your improv, reject your pulling on our hearts, reject your influence in our lives, Father God, remove those right now in every individual's life in this room. In every individual's life in this room. Lord, we glorify you, Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we receive what you're doing. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org and don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week and as always welcome home